I'm sorry to bother you, sir, but I think you might want to see this. You, you think they deserve this, huh, Batman? <laughs> God damn it, this Joker is a pain in the air. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry, but I'll have to leave. Till then, you can listen to the Meta Fandom Boys discuss about how awesome my movie is. Alfred, start the Batmobile! I'm Sanvid Vaidya. And I'm Ashwat Kumar. And you're listening to us, the Meta Fandom Boys. On a scale of 1 to 10, how awesome was that Batman voiceover intro, huh, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> um but yeah ladies and gentlemen welcome to episode 2 of the meta fandom boys podcast i am your host sanvid vaidya joined by my co-host ashmit kumar hello guys if you're listening to us on spotify apple podcast google podcast tune in radio or even amazon music for that fact don't forget to like share subscribe and if you like what you're listening quick reminder this is a combined episode we're going to discuss the batman and moon knight episode 1 and 2 you might have already re- read that in the title but in case you want to follow us on instagram or any other social media you can follow us on at meta fandom boys on twitter and on instagram and you can follow me sanvid at sanvid underscore underscore vaidya and ashmit at ashmit kumar 001 So you've read the title let's just get into it. I've had the opportunity to go watch the Batman twice. The first time I watched it was in an IMAX theater and let me tell you IMAX is the best way to watch this movie and to truly experience this movie in its true and best format. But even if you didn't get to watch it at least you got to watch the movie in the first place. It's a masterpiece. We are just going to go straight into it. For those of you who still haven't had the opportunity to to go watch the Batman Spoilers ahead for you, and um, you can just do yourself a favor and go to your nearest theater and watch it because I'm still. I guess it's still running in theaters as of today. Literally today, April 18th, the Batman is now officially available to stream on HBO Max for HBO Max subscribers. Unfortunately, HBO Max hasn't arrived in India yet, so you can either watch it in your nearest theater while it's still running, or rent or purchase the movie to stream on the Book My Show streaming app. So do yourself a favor and go watch this masterpiece because it's worth it. It's worth the money. It's one hundred percent worth the money. So amen, amen. So let's go right into the spoilers. Robert freaking Pattinson, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, this guy, my God. When he a decade went, ago, girls were all swooning over him, and right now we all boys are. Like exactly. How the times changed. Twilight boy just upgraded to Batman. <laughs> <laughs> But wow, even Zoe, Batman and Catwoman's love story is better exactly, than that. It was amazing. Zoe Kravitz, wow, wow, absolutely just wow. Um, I I cannot stress this enough. This movie is hardcore. It's grounded in reality. You get to see the corruption of Gotham. You get to see how every you can't trust any single person in Gotham, and Gordon is the only person who Batman trusts. it's it's amazing you get to see this city like erupting you get to realize that the riddler was trying to expose the city because every single person in this town is dirty this and is that's exactly the thing about this movie as well i felt that gotham city in itself was a character in this movie exactly the ambience the way that it was everything was being shown i just felt like yeah this, this is, is exactly what, how gotham is supposed to be portrayed in its best form and the thing is here's the thing to re- to make another batman movie when there have been at least if i'm not wrong 10 to 12 batman movies with michael keaton george clooney christian bale and even ben affleck to recreate an iconic character and still make it unique is a really tough task to make a new batman film and make audiences fall in love with a completely new iteration of this character is tough and yet again matt reeves truly showed 
that if you go through the very basic roots of Batman, you can show why he is what he is. You know, and I really love the idea that Robert Pattinson, it's, he, fe he feels more confident when he's inside the Batman mask and he feels more scared and more vulnerable when he's Bruce Wayne, which means Bruce Wayne is his mask and Batman is his true self. And I think that's probably the... Wouldn't, wouldn't you say true for like all the other Batman uh, actors as well? Who have yeah. portrayed him over the past few years? In Christian Bale, I would say yes. For Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck did a better job as Bruce Wayne. I'll say this. He was probably not a good Batman in my opinion, but he was a great Bruce Wayne. He was a amazing. Maybe Bruce. maybe it was because we got an uh, a different uh, side. We got to see an older Bruce Wayne. All the yeah. other actors who we have seen there now, they have played like a younger version of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, Zack Snyder also said that his version of Batman is an older 45-year-old guy who's gone through almost all the basic comic book villains of Batman. So much so that right. there was even a reference where which said that Ben Affleck's Batman saw his Robin die in front of him and he was killed by right. Jared Leto's Joker. That was, I think, one of the right. biggest things. I was like, oh my God, this is a really mature Batman who's seen probably the worst of Gotham. And I think that's why every Batman iteration is really different because some Batman is in his early stages, some are in his older stages. Robert Pattinson is in very early stages. Like this guy... He's very new to the game. It's his year two. He, he's not even a really good detective. He's able to figure out the clues. He's able to figure out the answers. Mm -hmm. But he's still not quite there yet. And he prefers being Batman more than he prefers being Bruce Wayne. And I think that Batman. this is why he's 95% of the time he's wearing the mask. There's only one small scene of Bruce Wayne. It, that was the funeral scene. Apart from that, the whole movie was him in the mask. So... Again, a completely new side of Batman. I, I hope they explore the Bruce Wayne side of it a little more in the sequel. But I love the Riddler. Let's talk about the Riddler. Paul Dano, ladies and gentlemen, this guy, he gave me goosebumps, fam. This guy was scary. He was genuinely, genuinely scary. Like, he literally murdered the, the mayor in like the first five minutes. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Like you wanna I, you wanna show a character, you wanna show uh, an extreme unconscious, you're gonna have to start big. Yeah, exactly. You have to start big. And the thing is, people are especially every Batman movie, like the Joker is probably the most famous and the most iconic villain, but the Batman Rogues Gallery is huge. Like there are so many right. villains that have still not been portrayed in live action, even once. One of them is Mr. Freeze. And the second is the Court of Owls. Like these two characters are villains who have never been portrayed in any live action film. People always use the Joker or the Riddler. But I think this is the best version of Riddler I've ever seen on screen. Ever. The right. last time we saw that was in, I think, Michael Keaton's film uh, where Jim Carrey played uh, the Riddler. Um, that was a little... Right. Um, I don't know, was it J Jim? Yeah, it yeah. was Jim Carrey. Yeah, it was Jim Carrey. Um, but was it George Clooney? Yeah, I no. think that was, yeah, it was with George Clooney, not Michael Keaton. George, yeah. Right. But I love the Gotham City. I think they filmed Gotham, the parts of Gotham in Glasgow and Chicago. Uh, they even filmed for The Dark Knight in Chicago. So I believe that's a great right. background for Gotham City. Again, since it's year two, we realize Gordon trusts Batman and Batman trusts Gordon. And Gordon realizes that the whole city is dirty and the only person he can trust is Batman. And I, I really like that idea that Gordon is scared about his own GCPD staff. Every single person right. inside the GCPD is also in some way or the other working for Falcone or in some way corrupt. And I think right. that that is really, really dark because you get to see that. And and this is a, and this is a Gordon before he became commissioner. Like we already saw that in the Christian Bale series also. Like he became commissioner only in the second movie. But seeing him here also, this is also like an earlier version of Gordon. Yeah, this is Lieutenant Gordon, so. not Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this is Lieutenant, Lieutenant Gordon. Gordon. Um, Andy Serkis as Alfred. My God. Again, brilliant mm. performance. I love how the Batcave was inside a train station, abandoned underground train station. You know, right. you get to see that there is a prototype of the Batmobile with the V8 muscle engine. And he... Right. The opening of the movie is him monologuing. He is right, he's monologuing everything that he's written about the city, everything that he's noticed about the city in its shadows. 
I love that he right. incorporated himself as the shadows. Like when you see that bat signal in the sky, it's not a signal; it's a warning. I I, I yeah. really love that huh. Batman has been established in this um, entire city, but people don't trust him. People still don't trust him, and right. that changes at the very end of the movie when the whole city is flooded because of the Riddler. But coming back to the start right. of the movie, obviously the mayor is dead. James Gordon calls hmm. uh, Batman. in in the entire crime scene and i love that one policeman stops him and says do you really want this guy in our crime scene because again everyone considers because this is basically like sh- showing that stage where the, he was in his early vigilantism if you remember the starting uh, the scene before this which we're referencing the the train station fight with yeah. the other goons yeah. even the person who batman saved even he was scared of him yeah this yeah please don't bring hurt me back to actually this brings me back to the arkham games which i played so i got to know about batman from the arkham games which i played and the third game in that series arkham origins it's basically mm-hmm. like a prequel to all the games and i think that it was a reference from there where all the civilians which batman saved all of them were scared of him because they didn't know who he was they also thought that he was maybe some kind of thug a goon yeah it yeah. took time but for for batman to gain the trust of the people and i think by the end of this movie he was able to do that yeah he was able to do that truly and i love how the riddler tapes every single one of his victims and writes no more lies it's like he's trying to expose the city one by one but because again i love that batman thinks that his city can be saved he thinks that his city is not corrupt but it's darker than it's darker than he thinks and i love that mentality right. that he thinks he can save the city but in actual reality that's 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 bruce wayne for you yeah that's bruce wayne for you <laughs> and he gets that realize and he gets that realization actually in the end his whole reason for vigilantism even in the beginning we see it's just revenge in the end he finds his purpose he's not looking just for revenge he's looking to be a symbol he's looking to be a symbol I I really love that, and um, I love that the commissioner of the the original commissioner, while Gordon is the lieutenant right now, Pete Savage was right. the commissioner, and I love right. how he how how he keeps telling uh, Gordon that you really trust this guy. This guy's a vigilante. What if he's working with the Riddler? And you realize that. So when I actually saw the Batman trailer, I tried to find out like who the actor was, and mm. I like I felt like I had seen him before. Mm. I had actually seen him in the HBO TV series Chernobyl. Oh. And when I watched the, and when I watched the, he was one of the minors. And when I watched the movie, I found that many of the actors in Batman were actually in Chernobyl. The commissioner, one of the officers, and even the actor who plays Joker, he was also in Chernobyl. And but we'll get to the Joker part later. Barry Keoghan. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So again, the second part when Batman and Gordon at the very at the crime scene, there's a code. There's a deciphering code. which alfred and bruce both figure out when they reach his bat cave and you realize that if you decipher the code it says thumb drive and then they go to mitchell's car park and they find a, a pen drive with all kinds of photos it's like the riddler was giving all the clues to the batman so that batman can help the riddler in exposing the city but batman didn't know that he was inadvertently helping the riddler and i think that's right. what makes the riddler such a smart villain an underused villain Amen. and so much more potential rather than compared to the joker in my opinion so right. when you realize that um, there's a like that's of- that's one of the similarities between the riddler and joker if you find yeah exactly and so again we talk okay. about mayor we see him with a woman um, anika kostolov uh, at the iceberg launch again the iceberg launch sequence like It's a it's a club at the very bottom of Gotham. It's like the Penguin owns the club, and there is a club inside the club called Forty Four Below. When Catwoman is introduced during the interrogation scene between the Penguin and Batman, you get to see that she recognizes the girl in the photos, and she gives that look to the Batman that where do you where, where did you find these photos? And that's when Batman realizes that there is a connection between the girl in the photos and Selina Kyle. and that's when he follows her and sees her through the window right. and realizes that um they are both are connected to the whole uh, situation in Gotham again one twist i really loved was that falcone was catwoman's father that was something they did it completely for this movie that right. i don't think that's ever done in the comics i might be wrong so they might have done that in one issue of the comics but i mm. don't think 
Falcone was ever Serena Kyle's father. But I love how the entire scene where Batman puts his trust in Selena and sends her inside the club to see who else is corrupt. And then they, and he gives her those lenses which record everything, you know? And uh, he, she goes inside the entire iceberg launch and sees that all the people, she realizes that even the DA is corrupt. And he was actually inside the bar completely drunk. And, but like, it's just, I love how some of the most high level politicians are also friends with Carmine Falcone, right? And right. no one really knew, not even, especially not Batman, that the whole city was run by Falcone, even though, right. like, even the mayor was paid by Falcone to be the mayor. Every single thing in some way or shape or form was connected to Carmine Falcone. And I think that's the beauty of the whole film, that the city is completely corrupt, but Batman still has hope that it can change. But he doesn't realize how much corrupt the entire system is. There is a rat, in, because again, the one person who connects every single puzzle is the rat. And when Riddler right. leaves the clue of the rat and uh, Catwoman realizes, Catwoman has only one objective, to find her missing friend. Whereas Batman is trying to find out the whole situation. And when mm-hmm. Batman questions uh, Selina and realizes that Annika is completely disappeared, he realizes that the only person who could possibly know what's going on is Gordon. I, I right. love how the Riddler was hiding inside the DA's car, the district attorney's car. Hmm. That was so funny right. to me. And he literally like put the entire bomb. He, it was like a collar bomb. I guess. It was a collar bomb timed to his neck. And right. I, yeah, and the best way of sending a message to every single resident in Gotham was sending that car in the middle of the funeral of the mayor. And I love that that right. was the first, probably the only appearance of Bruce Wayne. And you see that he himself is not comfortable being Bruce Wayne. He prefers being Batman. And he rarely makes an appearance. Uh, Matt Reeves described Bruce Wayne as a rock star recluse who doesn't really come out. He he. He right. prefers staying home. He prefers staying Batman. And Bruce Wayne never really sh- is shown even to the uh, shareholders at Wayne, Wayne Enterprises, you know? Right, right. Very much of recluse. Hmm. Again, Salvatore Maroni's drug bust. Salvatore Maroni is a very iconic character in the entire Batman lore. He was, uh, he was in mm-hmm. Batman Begins as well. Here, they didn't even show him, but his name was used so many times in, in connection with Karma and Falcone. And Falcone right. tried to tell Bruce Wayne that Maroni hated how much Falcone and Bruce Wayne's father, Thomas Wayne, were friends. And right. he was trying to change his mind because he was trying to make Bruce think that Maroni was the one behind his father and mother's death and not right. Falcone. But again, very much in the comments, it was actually both Martha and Bruce Wayne coming out of some theater and some random goon just shot them both and stole their jewelry and stole their money. And that's how their pe- uh, Bruce Wayne's parents right. died. Yeah. 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 I'm glad we didn't get to see that scene in Batman because like I have seen enough uh, ba- origin story, story yeah. of the Batman to realize okay, it's, it's like Uncle Ben. Like, okay, we get it. Yeah, that's exactly. How it exactly. That's it's why they sad, get- but it's fine. It's sad, but it's fine. We've seen that too, way too many times now. Yeah, right. and the thing is, they did that with Spider-Man Homecoming. They didn't show the same whole Uncle Ben story. They just right, moved right, on right. with the story, you know. They didn't well, they, the for, for the Holland universe, Aunt May was the Uncle yeah, Ben. Aunt like, May was the Uncle Ben. Also. <laughs> that was a really nice twist. I, I was not expecting that in No Way Home, but they did it. They Again, they did it. Hmm. But um, again, coming back to the Batman, the Riddler's riddles. He had a letter at every single crime scene which was addressed to the batman and it was basically greeting cards with a different message for like so every single greeting card which was addressed to the batman was like the first greeting card was haven't a clue let's play a game me and you the first riddle was uh what does a liar do when he's dead and the answer was he lies still. I think the best greeting card riddle from the entire movie, according to my personal opinion, was the one the one at the death site of Pete Savage, um, which said, I'm mad about you. Wanna know my name? And the moment you turn the next page, it is the drawing of an explosion which says, but wait, I can't tell you. It might spoil the chemistry. And at the very end of that entire greeting card, the letter says... Follow the maze until you find the rat. Bring him into the light. 
and that's where I'm at. Wow. Like, wow. I read that one and I literally was like, oh my God, I love this movie. And then one of the riddles at, um, at, the fal- at the funeral was, if it can be cruel, poetic or blind, but when it's denied, it's your violence that you may find. And the answer was justice. Such smart riddles, so well-crafted, very well-written film, by the way. Matt Reeves and writer Peter Craig, very, very, very well-executed and written film. Like, the entire screenplay very was it was very smart because you have to make sure that Batman like you have some movies with you have some movies with good writing uh, creative aesthetics you have some movies with big boom explosions I think this had both this had both not a lot of explosions apart from but, the uh, but a major but a major focus was on the creative side of it yeah. And, and the thing is, the detective side of Batman, it's like the it's like Matt Reeves wanted the audience to figure out alongside Batman right. what the detective clues were, you know? Right. And, and that was I didn't even know, I didn't even know he had the world's greatest detective title before I started playing the Arkham games. To me, ah. at that point, he was just a superhero. Yeah. Because exactly. like not many of the movies have gone into his detective. Uh, yeah, none movie. of the movies, not even Christian Bale ever, none of those movies ever went into the detective side of things. You know, it was very, right. very, very new. Again, Batman helps Colson answer the first two riddles, but Colson doesn't, is refuses to answer the third riddle because if he gave the name of Falcone, then Falcone would kill the DA, the district attorney's wife and kids. Even if the DA dies, if he gave up uh, Fal- Falcone's name, then he would put his wife and children in his risk. And that's right. why he was to refuse to answer the third and the bomb just blew. And I love that entire explosion. Mm-hmm. Batman, because you realize that Batman's suit is, is it's explosive proof, but it's not impact proof. Right. It means he can still take the impact and he might fall unconscious, but he won't get injured. Right. You know, right. and I love that the next scene is him waking up in the middle of the police station where every single right. police officer just wants to remove his mask and be like, you know what? I just want to see right. his face. I just want to see his face. I, 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 think, I think if anyone wanted to remove his mask, they would have done it right there and then only. Like, exactly. why did they, they put him in an ambulance? They took him to the police station. They put him on a table. Like, there was so much time gap in between. You couldn't have removed his mask then. Yeah, they could have done that. I, I wonder why they did not show that scene. But anyways, I love because that. Because movie. Because again, because movie. movie. Right? <laughs> but again, we realize that and that's the exact, the exact time when he wakes up and he pushes all the policemen away and he's like, no, you can't see who I am. And then Gordon comes in and he starts screaming and shouting and he starts telling, stop behaving like this. Because again, if Batman assaults a police officer, then he could get a warrant too, right? Yeah. So, and and I love that Gordon and Batman have this relationship where Gordon is the only person Batman trusts and every single thing or every single little insider information Gordon provides to Batman. So when there was this one guy who was in the iceberg launch with like a broken nose, he asks Gordon, who's the guy with the broken nose and why is he working in the GC? This guy works in narcotics and he's like, he's dirty too. And then he and then he punches uh, Gordon yeah. just like Chris Rock right. just like Chris Rock right. got punched by Will Smith. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah I found that one funny part of the movie like when he returns he's like I thought he would pull your punches and Batman's yeah, like I did. exactly I thought he would pull your punches and I love that he then takes a grapple hook and goes to the very top of the police station. Oh yeah. And then he swings he does this entire gliding right. thing. That's that, the so way we see like it's it's a whole wing suit it's not he's not like using his cape to glide he, he has a different wing suit. Yeah, he has a different wingsuit completely. Which makes me think, what's the point of the cape then? Yeah, I think, yeah, the cape of should help him in flying. Yeah, the cape should help him in flying. Yeah. And yeah. Edna from The Incredibles would agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, I love that um, Batman and Gordon have like an assumption and they think maybe the penguin is the uh, rat because they because the one clue with the Riddler gives is a rat with wings. And you're like, who can a right. rat with wings be, you know? And then he's like, wait, a penguin, a rat with wings. And then and then this entire beautiful Batmobile chase sequence. Wow. That entire one, one criticism sequence. I had, one criticism I had about this thing was most of the movie, including this scene, it was too dark. It was yeah, it was I, too I dark. felt I, I felt like I was watching uh, Game of Thrones the season eight fight uh, battle again. <laughs> like what's happened yeah exactly like I, I took my I took out my phone and like everyone is cheering in the uh, amongst the audience I'm taking my phone to record and there's nothing 
coming on the screen only, on my yeah. mobile screen. Yeah, like, exactly. The thing is, the whole maybe because Batman and and and, and, and let me and let me assure the audience that I am against piracy. I did not record the whole movie, just that part. <laughs> so please don't sue me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the thing is, I the movie was supposed to be dark because Batman as a character is dark, and maybe Matt Reeves as a director truly wanted to make sure that he shows a really nighttime side of Gotham, like. Gotham at night was probably his entire idea that he doesn't want to show a lot of scenes in the daytime and maybe some some scenes could be set in the sunset some scenes could be set at night but he wanted it 95% of the movie to be to be filmed at night you like, know with the with the exception of the final battle in dark knight rises you haven't seen like many day scenes of the batman yeah we haven't we haven't we exactly we haven't yeah i i love that batman and gordon try to figure out who the uh, rat is and and when they realize after that amazing iconic batmobile sequence when they realize that penguin was not the informant and then they contact mm-hmm. the riddler through this website called ratalada.com and i i love that right. he tries to um, communicate through the website riddler, riddle and uh, he tries to figure out that the riddle means the thomas wayne orphanage and i love that this was an obvious misdirect because if you if you carefully see the clue was thomas wayne's orphanage so that should technically tell you that the next victim is bruce wayne so if bruce wayne right. is already as batman then anyone who's inside wayne manor becomes an ultimate mm-hmm. target uh, so when batman and gordon were trying to investigate the orphanage and see that video the actual misdirect was that the bomb already happened at wayne manor and alfred was injured I I love that entire right. misdirect. That no, I, I'm I'm glad I'm I'm glad it didn't kill off Alfred. Like I was so scared at that time, but I'm glad it didn't kill off. Yeah, it didn't kill soon. Alfred. Yeah, he's a very important part of this entire movie. You know, I I really feel without Alfred, it's no point having Batman. You know, hmm. and I I love that um, Catwoman figures out who the guy was who killed Annika, and she she brings the Batmobile signal and uh, calls Batman and Gordon up, and she's like. this is the guy who killed her and then the recording the recording where of anika where she talked with falcone tortured, yeah yeah and falcone tortured her and falcone just asked her what did the mayor tell you and when the mayor told her about the entire drug deal and how the salvatore maroni drug bust case was just a front mm-hmm. so that falcone could control the whole city that was a really smart like idea of showcasing that falcone was the king of it all and that every single thing in the city runs by falcone and i right. love that running this idea of one guy controlling a whole city from the shadows that's very code of owls if they ever do code yeah. of owls in the sequel i would love to see that happen but obviously and now- i think and i think this was one thing that having all the crime under one control was having good but now now that guys that like everyone is going to war we are going to see the rise of penguin we're going to see the rise of other forces maybe we're going to see joker all of them are going to fight uh, you know as different sides against one enemy exactly. but they're not going to join together yeah they're not going to join together i think now that the penguin that there was a small reference which leads to me believing that the penguin could possibly be the next villain uh, the next big bad at least the next crime lord if not the big bad right. next crime lord right yeah and i love that uh, catwoman pushes the guy she pushes the guy to to his death but batman has a no killing rule so he saves the guy and then goes to stop catwoman from killing falcone because again if Fal- because if falcone dies then he'll never know what falcone was the rat for why was he controlling the whole city why was he right. taking control of the whole film and i love that then that the moment he arrested falcone the moment falcone got arrested and brought slightly into the light the riddler huh. from his apartment took a sniper and shot him in the dead and that's when you right. realize that one of the riddles that the riddler wrote was bring him into the light if you bring the once you find the rat bring him into the light and the light was the tent pole light which was coming on, sh- on in the middle of the street that's when you realize that the riddler's right. final pa- plan was to expose the main guy who is con- running the city and then destroy the whole city because he doesn't trust anyone in Gotham he has been wronged by right. the whole city he hates everyone and that's why he started this whole cult of being the riddler right. and i love that they did this entire modern century thing where he comes on an instagram live and has like 500 followers 
and those followers mm. then um, dress up as the riddler and because they believe in his cause and they all um, make a plan to kill the new mayor elect uh, bella real uh, that was a really smart idea i was like okay the riddler has followers and he ha- comes on instagram and he also said this in a video thank you for the likes and shares and subscribe i was like okay <laughs> that's funny that yeah funny. that's a modern uh, that's a modern villain That, that's sure. a modern take and i love that once you figure out that the riddler he was completely unmasked and then someone saw him coming down from the chimney and the ceiling and saw him go inside a coffee shop and then all the policemen go to that coffee shop and you see this one guy just trying to have his normal cup of coffee but he's also trying to mm. make a question mark on that coffee so when he gets arrested right. he actually smiles towards batman like the i love that smile of his it, it was as if he wanted to get caught you know that was the best part he wanted, he did want to get caught na he wanted to get caught right. the riddler wanted to get caught because the right. final plan was in process because he had put four trucks across all the major dams of gotham and ev- every single one of those trucks had a bomb so when that bomb would explode the dams would also break and the waters would flood the whole city that was the main plan so when he right. finds out that this was the riddler's final plan because again at the riddler's place there was his entire diary um every single tiny little clue um the truth about the city the truth about thomas wayne the truth about arkham i love that he exposed thomas and martha wayne and that's when bruce wayne realized that his mom martha wayne was in arkham asylum i love that twist i love that his mom had a mental right. a mental illness problem and she was at arkham and Thomas Wayne tried to stop a journalist from finding out that his wife was in Arkham that's why he took the help of Falcone but he did not know that Falcone was going to kill the guy so he just told right. Falcone to take care of the situation but he did not know that taking care of the situation in Carmine Falcone's words is killing him and i love right. that i i love that Falcone's uh, the easiest answer to a question is to take care of someone is to just kill them off that's how the world that's hmm. how gotham runs so i love that batman right. thought his his father was a good man and he, at least he had this image of his father as a boy scout as a good man and that's when he realized that his, if his father could ask falcone for help then even his father was corrupt when that thought goes into his head i realize how much afraid bruce wayne really was because every single person he truly trusts was corrupt in some way shape or form right. you know that, that's the best part and i love that riddler just calls he wants to see you he wants to see you and then they go into the arkham asylum confrontation room and the way he says bruce way bruce way <laughs> it's like yeah because i thought if if there's anyone who would figure out that who the who batman is that, that then it would be riddler but then at the end he was like he's the only one we didn't get caught like yeah uh, exactly uh, i i remember when the first time i was watching i was like how did he figure out that he's bruce wayne but then at the very end he's like that's the only one we didn't get and you're like oh oh that was a great i i, I no no i didn't even like go into detail of how could he have known i just thought yeah he could have known like it i mean if you put two and two together it seems like who in gotham can have so much money to like go into full vigilantism yeah exactly that's also true and i love how in that entire confrontation scene the riddler just lays out an entire idea that bruce wayne was an orphan but he was a rich orphan who was living in some huge tower above the city completely safe whereas the riddler was an orphan with no one around him he was in a small orphanage just like the rest of the other kids and he was never treated fairly whereas bruce wayne was just this really rich orphan the whole city was concerned about thomas and martha wayne's death right so when they were all sympathizing right. with the fact that oh my god what will happen to bruce wayne he's such an orphan he was a rich orphan and i love how the ba- right. how the riddler emphasized that the world focusing on a rich orphan rather than orphans without any parents rotting in a orphanage is more important shows the true nature of gotham at its best and at its worst right you know and i love that he completely tells batman about how he wanted he was idolizing the batman he wanted to be a vigilante himself the riddler wanted to be a vigilante himself they just had completely different means and i realized that the riddler was just a normal forensic accountant called edward nashton when yeah. he says that he was he had this entire plan in motion because he realized that his worth in this city is to expose the ones who have wronged him which is why he sets those 
uh, and all those bombs on fire and just blasts the entire city and then like floods the city. But I think that right. and the last, the third act with the entire arena fight with like six to seven uh, like yeah. people, all his followers wearing that uh, Riddler costume. That was stealth Batman at its... That was stealth like... Batman at his best. Probably my most favorite fight sequence from the movie. Him just trying to fight those guys and you can see that those guys have shotguns and they're trying to shoot at his suit and his suit is taking the impact. So he does feel the shot of the gun hitting him, but because his suit is bulletproof, it doesn't really right. hurt him that much. Right. And that's, there's this one moment where he's trying to, where he's going to fall off and then one guy's almost going to shoot him and then just Catwoman comes up from the behind and just kicks him off and then kisses him when he's completely th- like tired and stuff. I love that he took a adrenaline shot and put it in his legs because again, he was, hmm. he, his entire energy in fighting those bad guys, he, he lost his entire energy. He, his whole body was drained. So when the moment he took that adrenaline shot, he started fighting that guy and almost broke his face. And then Gordon had to come up and tell him to stop. And that, and when Gordon asks the guy who was impersonating as Riddler and says, what's your name? And he's like, I'm vengeance. And that's when Batman realized, Hmm. oh shit, my I'm vengeance line was taken too far. (laughs) Hmm. I love that his entire I'm vengeance line was taken too far. And that's when you see that the whole city is being flooded and like everyone's being crushed underneath the debris. And that's when Batman realizes that I, that I can't be vengeance anymore. I need to be a symbol for the city, a symbol of hope. So when he falls down in the river and in, into the water, and then he removes this flare and just calls everyone inside, you know, the, the flare and just helps everyone. Right. Uh, and then he's again, starts monologuing from his diary, whatever, whatever he's written that this whole city is now in mar- martial law is now in effect. The whole city is completely flooded. Um, the city is scarred like me. I love that line where he says that the city is scarred. Our scars can destroy us. But if we heal from them, we can grow better. We could, we can grow into better people and better versions of ourselves. That was, I think, the most right. defining line of the entire movie. Because you realize that he started off something as vengeance in the start of the movie and he ends with a symbol of hope. He starts helping all these people um, helicopter rescue helicopters come and he starts rescuing those people and then there's this one lady who holds his hand because she she's so afraid of everything that's happening around and then Batman gives her a look and says that it's all going to be right. okay it was beautiful like, they're not afraid of me anymore exactly and then when Catwoman says good na- goodbye and she's going to Bloodhaven Bloodhaven again is a comic straight from the Gotham comics uh, she's going to come back in the sequel I know that for sh- for a fact but because Bloodhaven right. is where uh, Catwoman usually grows. She's that's one that's one of her places. And um, I love that. I love the ending shot where Batman just sees uh, Catwoman go on the other direction through his uh, side mirror, and he just smiles and just goes just goes into the sunset. That was just the perfect right. ending. Perfect ending. Perfect film. An absolute visual masterpiece. I truly, truly love this iteration of Batman. I I just want to see a sequel right now. I really want to see a sequel because you you realize that at the end of the movie, the Riddler won. The Riddler truly won. He wanted to expose the city. He exposed the city and he drowned the whole city. He drowned the whole city. And he just, his main mission has now been accomplished. And that's when they show that entire scene of him in the Arkham Asylum crying and figuring out what to do. And then you see that uh, there's another person in the cell and he says, right. And, uh, even in the hall, even when I was watching it in the cinema hall, I was like, like, should I cheer? Because I, I because I had doubts. I mean, is this Joker? It's just someone else. Like, but at the end I was convinced. Yeah, it's Joker. But yeah, I, yeah. In, if people knew at that time that it was Joker, they would have cheered. But at that time, everyone else was trying to figure out who this guy yeah. is. Yeah. And I love he, how the Joker said one riddle. Riddle me this. Right. If the, the less of this you have, the more its value increases. And that and, right. and the Riddler's like a friend. A friend. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, I loved it. So I loved it. Team up. Yeah. First of all, I'm glad to see another Batman and Joker team up. I mean, we saw the relationship of Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, Christian Bale and Heath Ledger, Ben Affleck and Jared Leto. And now here we are. Exactly. Robert Pattinson and Barry Keoghan. Who's the guy? Barry Keoghan. Barry Keoghan. He was in Eternals. Everyone's going to know him's name in a few years. Yeah. He was great in Eternals, by the way. He was great in Eternals. He truly was. He was one of the highlights of Eternals. So, yeah. So, you know what? Now that the whole movie's come out, we can also talk about that deleted scene of the Arkham Asylum where we, about the the deleted scene of Barry Keoghan 
uh, interrogating with Batman. Uh, there were many like mixed opinions on this, like whether this should have been uh, in the movie or it shouldn't have been. Personally, I, pers- I think. Uh, yeah, I personally maybe a short, short version of it, but yeah, it shouldn't have yeah. been because like but it was again, just one is, more interrogation scene. Yeah, but the thing is, I feel that it should not have been in the movie for one reason. The one, the only reason is the Joker was very quick to find out who the Riddler was. He he immediately said that this guy is not nobody, trying to be a somebody. And when Batman asked, "Is it political?" He's like, "No, no, no. It is personal. It's not political." And it's like the I don't, Joker. I don't think it's weird. I don't think. It, I don't think it's weird for him to like figure this out so quickly. He's a psychopath. He knows how psychopath operates. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, and that's when I think that's why Matt Reeves cut it out of the final film because the Joker very quickly figured out who the Riddler was. And the whole movie, at least the first 70% of the movie is Batman trying to figure out who the Riddler is. So if the Joker, if one interrogation scene with the Joker could reveal everything, then what's the point of having a whole three-hour movie of Batman figuring right. out who the Riddler is, right? So I think I can right. understand why they cut that scene out of the movie. And and again, it was a great marketing tactic to release that scene after the movie was released, so that it doesn't ruin right. anyone's movie-going experience. You know, exactly. so that was a really really smart idea in my opinion. So with that, we come to an end of our Batman spoiler review and spoiler discussion. But hold on, we have one exciting segment, which is the Moon Knight episode one and two discussion. Yep, you heard me right. Episode Ooh. two came out today. As of this recording, today is Wednesday. Um, so it did come out today. I really like how March is a month starts off with the release of a new iteration of the Dark Knight and ends with the premiere of the Moon Knight. It truly was the month of the night, ladies and gentlemen. And we are now officially in Moon Knight season. Um, episode one and two, I just want to say not a lot of MCU Easter eggs. It's just Oscar Isaac taking you on a brilliant ride of a lifetime. This guy, Oscar Isaac, this is Oscar Isaac's third time playing a Marvel character, by the way. He played uh, the X-Men villain N. Sabah Noor in X-Men Apocalypse, the one with James McAvoy as uh, Professor X and Pro- uh, Jennifer Lawrence's Mystique. And he portrayed, and he also voiced Spider-Man 2099 in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which in my opinion and Ashmit's opinion is one of the best Spider-Man films ever made. And I just want to say he's also coming in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 and Part 2. But Oscar freaking Isaac, this guy, wow! To portray a superhero with Two completely different personalities. It's weird, but also a tough task at hand. You know, this guy is—he's two—he's portraying two personalities at the same time, and he does an absolutely stellar job. That's all I want to say. He does an absolutely amazing job. It's also fun to see him in the MCU, and especially Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke has been a acting masterpiece. One of my most favorite films of his is the entire Brifo trilogy, Before Sunrise, Before Midnight, Before Sunset. Those are my three most favorite films of Ethan Hawke. Never imagined I would ever see him in the MCU, especially as a bad guy who runs a cult like David Koresh. But wow, this guy, wow. He, he, he did an amazing job. Episode one and two, episode one ends on a stellar note. Like you, when you actually see the scene from the trailer, with him in the entire bathroom sequence, it's in that is from the first episode. And you really realize that it's two personalities fighting for control over one body. And it's, it's a scary thing because you realize that mental illness is something they're really taking into consideration, something they're giving a lot of importance in these two episodes and on the whole show overall. But Oscar Isaac, I, I just could go on and on about how much, um, how amazing this guy truly is. Portraying... Wait, no, you can. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, he he portrays Stephen Grant and Mark Spector brilliantly. The first episode is just Stephen Grant, just a small museum, sh- museum gift shop owner trying to go by his day-to-day life. And he realizes that he sleepwalks, he's unable to sleep, he's having these weird nightmares. He ends up in weird places at different times because he doesn't know that there's another personality living inside his body. And that entire episode is him realizing that another personality lives inside his body. And that's why uh, he goes to places where his mind doesn't pretend to go. Like, uh, And first not- of all, this is the first time since 
uh, WandaVision aired last year. This is the first Disney Plus TV show of Marvel that has introduced a new character as a main character. Uh, like we saw Kate Bishop, but she was just uh, a secondary character in Hawkeye. This is uh, a new character's first uh, solo TV show. Yeah, exactly. So and so in the beginning, like we didn't expect much. We didn't know what to see hmm. in the earlier shows. We had a kind of sense over what we could have seen. So this was a kind of a new introduction, and one of the best things, like a non-Marvel fan himself, could be seeing this, connect be as character. excited, be uh, connect as much as as Marvel fans can. Yeah, exactly. Like you can watch the show without watching any previous Marvel MCU sh- movies or shows, and you'll completely be taken for a new joyride. Because again, the Egyptian undertone, like the, it's very much Indiana Jones. It's very much Indiana Jones. It has this entire archaeological sector into it. But the first two episodes is two personalities fighting for control over one body. Because Mark Spector is a mercenary, and Stephen Grant is a normal guy. normal british guy who lives with his pet goldfish in his mom's apartment and runs a gift shop it, it it's a, it's is a very simple normal guy and that's when he and when he realizes that another person lives inside of him and he gets caught up into this war of gods egyptian gods fighting for control and pr- trying to determine good over evil you realize that it's it's way more complicated than it seems because there there is this one guy who's just trying to get through his normal day to day life and he gets thrust into this war of egyptian gods and cults and people with like staffs and uh, supernatural powers this is marvel's first supernatural superhero there is an entire group of marvel supernatural superhero called midnight suns it consists of moon knight uh, the punisher ghost rider doctor strange Morbius, yeah, and these are the five main uh, members of the Midnight Suns and um, Oscar Isaac. The suit, I just want to say this: the suit. Some people might like comment on it and say it's just like a toilet paper wrapping. But in in if you carefully connect it with the Egyptian undertones, you realize it's connected to the mummy aspect of it all. Like the the entire uh, Khonshu outfit, it feels like a entire mummified outfit. It's like white and completely covered in mummy um, wrapping that's exactly what makes right. his costume unique so in but in episode 2 which came out today i just want to stress this it's two characters fighting for control right but it's also one trying to live his life and the other trying to come close with servitude because again mark specter he's a mercenary but he's a mercenary working for khonsh khonshu is the egyptian god of the moon also the egyptian god of vengeance which is somewhat similar to the batman but i think he's mainly the egyptian god of the moon that's why the show is called moon knight because he's a knight working for konshu he's konshu's avatar konshu again is a god he as long as as long as mark specter wears the moon knight costume he's unbeatable unstoppable and literally nothing can kill him that's his superpower and he has these moon shaped boot, uh, boomerangs which are like How, just how like batman has batarangs right so right. The, the boomerangs f- work stellar like they look amazing the entire costume design is just beautiful it's beautiful and oscar isaac he also portrays mr knight mr knight again same from the moon knight comic mr knight is another persona another multiple personality one of the personalities of steven and mark Mo- mr knight he's a cool guy he's like moon knight only but he doesn't have the whole uh, moon knight outfit he he wears like a blazer he wears a white shirt has wears a white mask with a moon symbol on it it's like steven portrays mr knight perfectly because he has this funny aspect of him and he's just trying to get through his day to day life you know and ethan right. hawk on the other hand he worships the god the egyptian god of death or the egyptian demoness of death called amit a m m i t she's like a crocodile face she has like a crocodile head and a body of a lioness it's it's a it's very, egyptian gods are weird but i personally <laughs> can connect to this because i stayed for egypt in for four years in my childhood um i spent most wow. of my three school years in egypt so like i i like that we as a marvel fan we're going into the egyptian side of MCU you know and i i really never imagined that would ever happen also because every other avenger lives in the us or has some connection to the us or is born and brought up in the us so it's like marvel has always been capturing stories inside the us and then there are other otherworldly characters like like the guardians thanos and captain marvel etc which are from completely different planets so it's like it's like mcu has never 
gone to the other side of the earth but again moon knight is considered one of the top 200 best comic book characters of all time i know 200 is a long yeah. list but hey it counts for something right and hmm. moon knight again we have only been shown two personalities till now there are in total in the comics if i'm not wrong four personalities but as far as the show is concerned it has this very much of a supernatural side to it it's 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 dark it's scary and you get to see these egyptian gods in the middle of the mcu especially in a world where thanos has blipped five years have passed people have just come back from the dust and like establishing that and now working with supernatural gods is so different compared to anything marvel has ever done which is why i consider the show really really unique like you can watch the show without watching anything previous marvel shows have ever done and you would still be hooked you will truly be hooked and again oscar isaac brilliant performance brilliant cinematography you get to you we also go to the pyramids in episode 3 um that's exactly where episode 2 ends so i'm really excited for what the next episode has in store for us but we will break down the whole season of moon knight including episode 3 4 5 and 6 which is the finale in complete detail in episode 3 ladies and gentlemen so thank you so much for tuning in on episode 2 of the meta fandom boys we really hope you like what you listened and we will see you next episode when we discuss all things Moon Knight. Thank you so much. See you guys time. later. Goodbye.